This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. This is Richard from the future calling the past to say that Paul Lambert has left his post at Ipswich Town. Um, The normal podcast will follow and I'm joined by Craig. Um, We were joined by Seb to do the normal pod, Craig. We pressed stop on the recording, started getting about our normal Sunday evening business and then all hell broke loose and we had to record an emergency pod. What's your immediate reaction? Yeah, exactly that, mate. We, as I said, we, we pressed stop. We had a little post-pod, post-coital cigarette with each other and, and, a, and a little chat. And I think we sort of, we, we pretty much towed the line and, and got it sort of about right to what we knew when we were recording the pod. Um, got about our lives, slipped into our smoking jackets and, um, all, as you say, all hell broke loose. But you're, you're, we'll, we'll direct people to, there's a, there's a Lambert, out special which you can watch on our on our youtube and it will go down the podcast feed as well um but um presumably craig um this is good news for you yep 100 percent good news mate it's 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 all optimistic now hopefully for the next three months of the season two and a half months of the season wherever it happens to be it's uh it's upward trajectory now for everybody good positive um so please do enjoy the normal pod i know that you'd be inclined to go and do the Lambert out stuff and it is very good we've got joe joining us for that but um the podcast was pretty we were on good form when we craig albeit i think my memory completely failed me and i stumbled around like a little bit of a crazy person for most of it so it's worth it just for that isn't it yeah yeah at the beginning we looked like you may need a concussion substitute we thought something was had gone horribly awry but no i think we we discussed the doncaster match pretty well and we sort of you know discussed accurton in light of what we didn't know um and i say we i think we got it pretty much spot on there's nothing that we would change apart from maybe talk about Paul Lambert a little bit more. So please do enjoy the pod. Do enjoy the Lambert out stuff. And um, thanks. Take care. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Now in our sixth season, looking into the exciting happenings of Ipswich Town Football Club, I'm Richard Woodward and this is the flagship show available every week on video and audio. So for an irreverent but always informative hour or more of football conversation, make your Monday a Blue Monday. And joining me tonight are two guys who are 99.9% likely to remain with the pod 
if an ITFC takeover happens. Returning to the flagship show for the first time since the 400 episode special, Seb Brown, and joining me for two appearances in three days. We can do it, Craig. We can power through. It's Craig Fimbo. Guys, how are we doing? How are you? I'll start with you, Seb. Welcome back to the flagship show. Thanks. I was on last week, so clearly it was a very, very memorable show for you. You were on last week, were you? It was me and Dave, wasn't it, after the, uh, the Oxford Holy game? crap. Well, there you go. I'm almost <laughs> tempted to restart the pod. No, it's fine. Right. It's fine. Don't worry but about it. This is the point. I We were chatting about this on the Zoom call, and you, Craig, you can chip in and tell me if you agree with this. These Because we've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, because we're not actually there. We're just watching them on the iFollow. They kind of roll into, they all kind of merge into one, and they're not really particularly exciting, are they? I don't know. Hello, by the way, Craig. Hello. I um, remember seeing you on Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, forgive me if I get a bit leggy in the second half. Um, That's all right. I'll do two, two games in three, I'll get Mikey three days. in or something. I'll get Mikey in and Mikey will just he'll go through the motions and, and run around a little bit, but not really. Yeah. So, much. Yeah, so Seb's like the, the Emir Hughes. He's he he appears and no one really notices he's he's here and, and he's I've, been in, I've been in the bomb squad for a few weeks and you know, a, a tale to John Nolan and Caden Jackson. There is a way back. There is a way back. You just got to stick your head down, contribute on the WhatsApp group every now Train and then. Train with the kids, yeah. And then make yourself available for an impromptu <laughs> live show on Friday. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly all was well. Well, apologies, Seb, for, for completely forgetting. But did I did I host last week's? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to make it even worse. It's fine. Yeah. We've done so many live shows together, I can understand why. It's no, just Rich, a, you haven't had a, you haven't had a recent... Recent bang to the head of you, Rich? No, I don't. Well, I don't know. Maybe this 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 pod could be interesting. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes, guys. Because, um, frankly, I could say anything right now. Um, I was I was trying to come up with some controversial to say, but I literally can't. That wouldn't be controversial. So maybe let's move on to the news. Um, we did a big um, takeover rumor chat special on Friday, which got. Um, lots of interest. Thank you, everyone who um, tuned into that one either live or subsequently. That's um, that's doing very good numbers for obvious reasons. Um, Seb, have you got anything to contribute on the takeover? We haven't heard from heard from you on this, and we've, we've heard it from everyone else. So, give us your thoughts. Just like most of us, you know, so I watched the, the the live along on on Friday. I think it's just a sense of excitement, isn't it? You know, uh, the rumors dropped sort of last weekend, about ten days ago now, didn't they? And we all sort of were a bit sort of we trod with caution last week on the pod. We discussed it, but we didn't go into any real detail because nobody knew what was going to happen. And then suddenly it was this this athletic uh, article that appeared on. Uh, well, rumors built throughout the week, and then as soon as that athletic article went, it went boom. You know, everyone started releasing stuff online, and we all started changing our uh, our Twitter handles to include American flag and American things and uh, it's just it's just been brilliant hasn't it it's really really exciting it, it sounds you know touch wood like it's very very close to completion so you know what a what a, what a, a bit of excitement at last we say after what 13 13 years of Evans you know 13 years of the same thing of of budget cuts and bad decisions hopefully now the new guys will breathe some breathe some interest into the club and we can we can look to push on I, I did a bit of research I was quite interested to see how they uh, what, what what influence they had on the on the Phoenix Rising Club and it's quite interesting when when the guy got involved in 2016, they finished 13th, then they progressed to fifth, then to third, then to first, and then they're currently top of the uh, of Group Group B in the playoff chase of the USL. So they've got a proven track record here of developing a club, and I think that's what excites me more. If it was just a businessman, you know, pumping some money in, uh, you, that, that's one thing. But these guys have got a proven track record of uh, of improving clubs. You know, looking to looking to push on, and it's exactly what we need, isn't it? Investment and uh, a, a breath of fresh air. 
And Craig, you were doing the research on Helsingor as well, which we talked about on Friday, you know. So yeah. is that something to give you? Is, is Seb right? Is, is that a little bit of more comfort? Whereas, you know, Evans, I think we were just relieved that after years and years of looking for ownership, we finally had someone who passed the fit and proper person's test. Um, but Marcus Evans, no real credentials apart from corporate events and hospitality and even that as i think you said on friday hasn't really served us in any good stead has it um no that's it someone who's involved in the game albeit you know seb's talked about the phoenix is rising i'm gonna well, call them got... the phoenix is rising. um the mls and all this the usl usl yeah not it's not like let's not pretend it's like the liga or Serie A or anything like that it's probably like spl isn't it but there you go there's my controversial it... moment but well, they've got they've got a portfolio, haven't they? They've got a portfolio, mm. and as Seb says, you know the the clubs that we know about have, have had success. We've just got obviously, you know, let's not be stupid about it. They're only in it for one reason. They're not in it to to make Ipswich great again. They're in it to make money and succeed and and make a profit. So, you know that, and the only way they're going to do that, as we said on Friday, is is to get promoted, get promoted out of the out of League One, and they see us obviously as a a relatively cheap option to to make a relatively quick buck it'd be nice to know what their time scales are and and what their exit strategy is a if it's successful and b if it's not successful because obviously i think that's what will temper some excitement from from some fans is you know if, if they're going to leave us high and dry in five years ten years whatever it happens to be um but to be fair you know obviously everyone's done a bit of research into it you know people on twitter are having a look at it and it doesn't seem to be that I can read a, a bad word to be said about the guys that are heading this all up. You know, they seem to be universally liked by the by the people who are involved in the clubs that they've they've taken a, an interest in. So, you know, from that res- in that respect, it's probably as good as we can hope for. Um, you know, it's I know it's been death by a thousand cuts from a manager's perspective, but by the same token, it's been the same from a from an owner's perspective, isn't it? You know, we. We could sit another 13 years with Evans in charge and him putting in his six million or whatever it happens to be nowadays a year just to keep us a going concern without any real oomph to to take us anywhere. And who knows where we'd be in in that 13 years? So um, obviously there's been a bit more interest over the over the weekend. I think the uh, the D3 D4 pod um, had a bit they got led with us um, on their pod this morning, um, and they were again were you know talking glowingly but talking positively about the the owners and certainly everybody that's had a had a word to say about it including the the guys on quest whenever paul cook's mentioned and i know that's not nailed on you know we're talking we're talking hypothetically here but again not many people have a bad word to say about him as a as a successful manager so fingers crossed you know we will probably know more this time next week and you know we'll we'll sort of take it from there Hmm. and i think the the emergency pod siren could could go off at any time in the next few weeks. It, it does. Nick Ames was kind of suggesting. Did we talk about this on Friday as well? Apologies again. My memory is just like absolute sieve at the moment. But he was kind of suggesting that it's weeks rather than months and that kind of stuff. So yeah, fingers crossed something happens and yeah. some clarity would be good. Um, but I guess it's still early days. We're hearing about it. You know, ultimately, ever since kind of last saturday wasn't it stuff has started to come out and then more and more stuff so it's still really early days and that's it but you can't expect you know evans has released his you know anodyne statement and you can't expect anything more than that you know that's pretty much a textbook nothing to see here no comment 
um, I always saying a lot without saying a lot comment, isn't it? It's, I wouldn't read anything until what that says at all. Ronan Keating always comes into my mind when Marcus Evans releases a statement and his song, You Say It Best, <laughs> when you say nothing at all. There you go, Ben Bloom. I'm bloody hell. Say like Ben's not here. You're taking Beautiful. on that mantle, are you? Okay, I'm not sure what's in here. This is <laughs> anyway, let's move it on, guys, because because um, it's an interesting setup by you said for this next bit about um, um, cost and um, the way that Marcus Evans runs the club um, and similar stuff, Craig, about what you're saying about you know, what is what is the intentions for you. And one thing that I guess is on people's mind is the academy, and that's something where um, you owners have come in at other clubs in the EFL and disbanded the academy because the cost isn't isn't worth it or the, the conveyor belt isn't bringing um, – the transfer of money in to justify it and um some stories that have come out um this week from the itfc academy via former academy player lewis reed um which he shared on his um twitter page have certainly raised a lot of questions about how things are done not just at ipswich town but in generally in the pyramid um just lifting a few bits and pieces um from from um from his statement um you know his words here football is one of if not the most ruthless environments in the world. Um, but his his concern was he moved 300 miles across the country um, to play for Ipswich. The club rarely took an interest to see how he was getting on, living away from home. He was also, I think, living with a family and not with other scholars, um, which probably made it more difficult. Um, he said in his first year, um, it took until the end of the first season before anyone asked how he was getting on. And we had more support and more um, checking in by first team players um, about um, being away from home than anyone, any of the coaches. Um, he kind of just discussed this kind of convey about situation where his opportunities to play were limited because they wanted to see the older scholars before making contract decisions on them. Um, and that, along with injuries, really limited his chances. He had an unfortunate situation with a foot injury and was told to man up and get on with it um and um in his final season um he was um all of the prospects were shoved off to the under 23s he was left with the under 18s and um that was effectively from october the signal that he was not going to get a, a first team contract went on trial with call you then covid happened um and and is still under contract or still possibly with the club or was i think maybe um but was ignored during the lockdown and um, and is now pushing for for change, not just at Ipswich Town, but which is obviously something that we're going to interrogate and we're going to look at. But but everywhere, you remember the case of Jeremy Whitston from Man City, um, who took his own life um, after being released there. Um, guys, I, it's a, it's a really difficult difficult one to talk about, you know. And we're not intimate in terms of the details behind the scenes at the club, but it doesn't. You know, it's not too much of a stretch to suggest that a club that is seeking to limit cost and to do things on a very lean basis, to prioritise the prospects, the ones that maybe can bring in the transfer revenue, it doesn't surprise us that maybe these these kind of situations arise. Is is that fair, um, or is this is this part and parcel of the game? Which, to be fair to Lewis, he alludes to. You know, so there is a kind of a small crop of people who go on to make it, and are the club trying to be as efficient as possible, but whilst not maybe being sympathetic. Um, who wants we, to take this one? Go on, Seb. 
He says it himself in the article. It is a it is a ruthless business, isn't it? Youth football is 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 cutthroat. Um, I guess obviously we should caveat. We've not heard anything from the club yet. I assume something might come out shortly. So at the moment we've only got got one side of it, and and I guess it's just sort of symptomatic of the the budgetary cuts and what what Evans has looked to do for the last few years. You know, like you said, if you're going to make cuts in every single department, then you are going to prioritise those players that you feel have got the best chance of of becoming assets with with future resale value. So I, I think it's just a consequence of that. The, the whole model of you know people traveling 300 miles and and going to live in digs and stuff does seem a little bit sort of antiquated to me these days you sort of see other other kind of sports where all um, college people and, and scholars are all sort of together in the same kind of place and there's welfare offices that kind of thing i, I know we're, we're, we're limited by our budgets but the whole idea of somebody flying halfway across the country going to stay with a family he's never met before uh he's not got regular contact with his scholars that that whole sort of model seems a little bit antiquated to me to me personally and you've got, Craig, people from kids from France, from Ireland as well, you know, further afield. Um, what, what's your views on this one? Yeah, it's, well, as Seb says, we've only heard one side of the story. And um, Phil, those of the days, seems to think that there's going to be a statement released this week from the club. Uh, you can probably sort of guess what, what line that will take. Um, but it's not a good look. Um, but, and it does, it unfortunately, it happens at every club. However, you know, clubs do have a duty of care these are only kids at the end of the day aren't they they, they were the interview and the, you can actually see an interview with him i think sports joe did an interview with him yeah. didn't they and i watched it and i thought christ this is literally just a kid you sort of forget that a 17 18 year old they are still i know they're adults but they're not really the way he was talking and that you think crikey this poor kid is as you say, stuck away the other side of the country and just sort of left to his own devices to a certain extent it must have been absolutely demoralizing but Again, I'm, I'm led to believe that, as we sort of alluded to there, that the cuts have been made at the training ground and certainly on the welfare side of things, um, you know, things are, have been cut to the bone. And this is obviously a, one of the consequences of it. Um, you know, Evans is Mantra's first team, isn't it? Everything's pumped in the first team. We know that everything else is cut to the bone all over the, all over the club. And this is obviously one of the, one of the byproducts of it is, unfortunately, is these... Um, the kids' welfare, which is, I say, it's not it's not a great look for the club. No, and more generally, on football, you know, and and I think Lewis, to be fair, has, has said that this is this is a this is a EFL, or this is a you know industry wide industry wide. Sort of thank you, yeah, situation <laughs> here. I, I guess you know football has struggled with its image, particularly in the last ten years, as you know, as some old ways of doing things are, are put to one side. You know, it's had issues in all kinds of real key areas of, of life and society is it is is in this instance is football just a little bit too slow to catch up and and you know you, you mentioned there about um the duty of care and that kind of stuff is a football clubs maybe underestimating in 2021 how things like mental well-being careers advice as well you know it, it seems to me that um if you're going to have a category even any kind of categorization of academy, the burden of um, care, to use your phrase, Craig, needs to be a lot higher, doesn't it? And also the way you conduct yourself. And I guess it extends to, and it's a long question, so apologies for it. Th this kind of attitude, I suspect, is acceptable because first team players are probably treated just as ruthlessly. You know, we've seen Nolan and Jackson bombed out to the under 23s is is there a view that this is kind of acceptable because it is the industry or do, is is there far-reaching reform here that 
that is needed. I don't know who wants to take this one. It's a it's a challenging topic, isn't it? It's it's definitely something that needs to be looked at. I mean, some of the comments were quite concerning when he had the injury, and the the, the coach's first reaction apparently was to say he doesn't clearly fa- doesn't fancy a four hour coach ride to Southampton or wherever they're going. And I can remember comments in the past. Did Paul Hurst tell Tom Adeyemi to man up one time with regards to his injuries? You know, when a player is injured, it must be absolutely soul destroying. It's the one thing you want to do is to play football, and your mental state must be you know proper down in the gutter at, at that point if you can't do the one thing you love to do. So, I think some of the flippant comments and some of the the old school attitudes, shall we say, definitely need to be looked at throughout the game because, you know, one one simple comment, one glib remark can have a massive, massive impact on somebody. And like you just said, with, you know, 2020, 2021, mental health, etc., being such a such a crucial thing, they can do real, real damage if they're not careful with the, you know, the, the, the things they say to people. And given the odds, Craig, are so stacked against these kids, shouldn't we be doing more to prepare them for life? And I think that's what Lewis was saying at school, you couldn't get careers counselling and stuff. Do we... We should be doing more of this, shouldn't we? Again, it costs money, yeah. but yeah. Well, it's was it cross? It's less than one percent, isn't it? That that make it, and you know, there, there is a, a burden of responsibility on the families as well. I suppose, and I say I'm not for any one moment saying it wasn't there, but everyone needs to go into it with their eyes fully wide open, don't they? That you know, this may not. There's a very, very, very likely chance this isn't going <laughs> to succeed, and then as a result, if there's that much of a chance it's not going to succeed, then the the structure needs to be put in place to to soften the blow accordingly i would have thought and to you know get these kids ready for the outside world and to as i say again soften the blow of any any bad news that's coming their way maybe there's something to be said for narrowing the pool to which geographically yeah. to which academies can draw players to, to limit that and and also to give a good opportunity for local players coming through you know yeah, well, every um, club's yeah. like you know, every club hoovers up as many kids as they possibly can because they're for fearful of missing out on that one that, that will make them the money, aren't they? Mm. Well, all the best to Lewis, and, and I think he's still um, trying to make a career for himself, which um, we wish him all the best with. And clearly, as we say, we've we've heard one from the side of the story. We'll we'll see what comes out, if anything, from Ipswich Town. Um, another related academy story, also not not great news sadly um is that luke hyam who obviously progressed to the Ipswich academy has had to retire at the age of 29 um, due to a back injury um 118 starts 28 sub appearances three goals for ipswich and um, also had spells um, with rotherham alone and signed for south end um at the end of the 17-18 season i think um and, and there's also struggled mentally with facing up to that retirement but a really sad news obviously 29 no age for a pro to retire um and and possibly just really unfortunate that his career at Ipswich kind of it, it kind of took a side turn really didn't it because 14 15 guys he was he was kind of had yeah. that midfield general role down didn't he yeah he was mainstay wasn't he you knew exactly what you're going to get from us so he wasn't the most um technically gifted i suppose of players but crikey you, you probably wouldn't want to be in a 50 50 with him i think when Roy Keane, I think, gave him his debut way back. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember Roy Keane saying at the time that he was the hardest tackler in the club when he was like you know, 18 years old. So, you know, he, he, he was that sort of player. And, you know, to be fair to the guy, he's he's done what all three of us here would have loved to have done, isn't he? You know, he's a, he's a, he's a fan. First and foremost, he's a fan. And he got to play for Ipswich over 100 times, you know. So it, having, again, watched, watched the interview with him on, on the pre-match um show that Ipswich that the town website or the town guys put out again he god he looked he seemed down didn't he understandably so but again i just hope there's someone around that's you know putting their arm around him and making sure that uh that he's all right with it all 
I think he said he, he struggled with it. He's, he's sought help, and I think he's he now wants to stay local and, and also help and with mental health locally in Ipswich, which is fantastic. So um, all the best from, from obviously the podcast team to Luke um, and um, hopefully positive future and can do some good um, in the local community as well at the same time. Um, and also someone else in our thoughts at the moment is Stuart Taylor, um, whose father sadly passed away. Um, that kind of explains his um, absence on the bench the last few weeks. So, um, yeah, passing on our, all of our um, thoughts to him and his family. Um, let's move it on, guys, shall we? Um, let's let's talk about, spring things up today and talk about Doncaster. Um, let me give you um, some story. Well, let me give you the insight on Donny before we get into the action. Going into the um, game sixth in the league, um, 15 wins, four draws and eight defeats. Last time out, a three or draw with Hull. James Coppinger scoring at the age of 40 years old to get them a point, um, but no win in four um, since beating Oxford 3-2 in early February. Um, it's, I think, basically, it's a, it's a similar formation to um, to ours. It was a 4-2-3-1. Um, Balcom in goal, James Anderson, right, Halliday, back four. Bostock and Smith in the middle. Sims on loan from Southampton, along with um, Richards, Okinabiri, and up front, one-time Ipswich target, Omar Bogle. And Ipswich, guys, unchanged. So... Nothing really to talk about off the back of the victory to Hull, which you would expect. But no central defenders on the bench, which um, it's kind of all, almost like Neil Warnock not sticking a sub keeper on the bench, isn't it? This I'm... it's it's bizarre, isn't it? It's very very strange. You know, you, you would think obviously Wolfenden would be a, a a guarantee for the bench with one of Matheson or Ward backing him up to cover across all of the uh, all of the back four positions. So clearly they're currently out of, out of favour in the bomb squad, and maybe they'll start to get more involved if there is a, a change imminently. Mm. But it wasn't just there. It was as Sib says. There was Matheson wasn't on there, so it's not as if you could bring mm. Matheson on and shift Chambers across if you needed to. But so we'll talk about Accrington and maybe hold that thought about a, rip, a bit of rotation for Accrington or, or have we figured out finally that we can do Saturday, Tuesday? But I will come back and ask you about that. Um, let's get into the action. It's a, it's a better start from Doncaster. Quite a lot of um, keeping hold of the ball, which we kind of expected um, from a Darren Moore team. Lots of territory. Um, not too many chances, though. Seventh minute, um, Alan Judge and he gets an assist for them. Um, and I think it's Okinabiri who's a little bit wasteful with that opportunity, but um, Judge turning up in the wrong place and making the wrong decision there. Um, 10 minutes, Sims has a shot that's saved by Thomas Holy. And eventually, Ipswich just starts to um, get themselves involved in the, the right end of the field. Um, Parrot has a long uh, ranger that's um, <laughs> particularly wayward. Um, and this is when we start to build some momentum. Some good set pieces, guys, as well. Um, finally, Alan Judge has a corner punched away from the keeper I thought wasn't particularly good with set pieces yesterday. More on that in a second. And Bennett's has a follow-up, which isn't particularly difficult to save. NCR has a header back across goal from a judge-free kick on 23. And then um, moments later, judge controls a cross-field ball. Lovely bit of control, actually. Mm. Um, almost Burkamp-esque from World Cup 98. Um, plays in Bishop, who's running on. is bundled over just as he's about to shoot. And Craig from the resulting free kick. Yeah. Play the lead. Of course they do, of course Always score from Derek free kicks. He sounds so surprised. Um, no, as you, as you say, Rich, that I think it, it was a slow start because it was about a quarter of an hour before like Bishop and Norwood had their first meaningful touches of the ball. It was it was a really slow start. But then, we, as you say, we started to get into it um, at a couple of set pieces. And as you say, again, there was a, it was a 
crossfield ball, wasn't it, to judge in the first instance? And he really made a great, great touch to bring it out of the sky. Um, knocked into Bishop, he got bundled over. And then NCR had a bit of a moan at the ref, wanting to take the ball forward another few yards. Um, but yeah, it ended up getting placed about 25 yards out. Um, and uh, yeah, judge shooed everyone else away, fancied it, and everyone decided to go back to their cups of tea or whatever it was and wait for the resulting goal kick. Um, and he and it was it was an absolutely lovely, lovely strike. He he went to the goalkeeper's side, if if you like. The goalkeeper set his wall up. Um, he went to the goalkeeper's side and it he hit it so perfectly, it sort of just kissed the inside of the side of the net, didn't it? it just rippled around the side of the net. Um, and looking at it from behind the goal, obviously subsequently the, the club have um, released the footage of it from about 18 different angles. And the one from behind the goal, you can see that really quite quite heavily there the goalie what's his name Balcom isn't it Ellery Balcom named after David Ellery I think yeah yeah I think so yeah um he um he really does go heavily to his to his right expecting the ball to come over the over the wall and you know it's pretty much flat-footed before he decide can get back to to the left where it ended up going and subsequently in Alan Judge's um post-match interview it turns out that he was at Brentford um when Balcom was there himself and taken three kicks and knew exactly what Balcom was going to be doing and thinking, you know, Alan Judge, fair play to him. He's playing the long game here. He's been taking three kicks <laughs> the, same, the same way to, to this kid, you know, four years ago, knowing damn well that on the 27th of February, five years later, he's going to be putting it the other side of the wall to, to score, score a free kick. The mind game. Absolutely <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, fair Genius. play to the guy. Yep. No, it's lovely. Brilliant, brilliant free kick. It's like Richard Wright against Dean Holdsworth in the home leg of the playoffs, wasn't it? When he takes a step to the wrong side and then yeah, changes just, his mind. And then just amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that, that just that one step just com- just completely throws your time. You've got no chance to get out, especially when the ball, as I say, it, it, it literally just kissed the inside of the side netting and just went round the back of the net. It's lovely. Lovely goal. Lovely goal. And, and I think there was a lot of people on Twitter saying, well, when was the last time we scored a direct free kick? Forgetting that we had Luke Garber on loan last season. That was... For a part of that season, at least, pretty Lincoln, wasn't it? That yeah, was nice it was Lincoln, game, wasn't it? Yeah, Ugh. the five-three, and he scored a belter at Tranmere, uh, at home to Tranmere as well, didn't he? Yeah. So we had we had a couple last year, but yeah. it is a rare. He he really fizzled out, didn't he? Himself, like after Christmas time, yeah. he he's put, he set pieces went to pot himself, didn't they, a little bit? Um, but I think just about on the pattern and balance of play, just about deserved. But Doncaster's didn't really go away. Um, 36 minutes, this is a big chance. Holy makes a stop with his feet from Bogle and then the rebound goes out to Sims and it's NTR who's brave and gets down there stopping an almost certain goal. That was a um, great block, wasn't it? It was, yeah, a bit of all hands to the pump for a second there. 42 minutes, um, a big opportunity this and I'm, I, I'm gonna, I don't want to keep singling him out because Bennett's is running, is really positive and, and he's... Really difficult for opposition defenders to to challenge, but when it comes down to it, when it when it's a final pass or a final shot, he is he always makes seems to make the wrong decision here. So it's almost like a Ipswich have outnumbered Donny on the break, something like four against three or something. Bishop Parrot, I think, down yeah. the left hand side, and ball finds its way to Bennett's, and he just runs in a cul-de-sac and really should be taking a shot almost first time or taking a touch and having a shot, but he ends up running it and trying to create something else when really he should be having yeah. a go. Well, 
Well, we did it a couple of times. Didn't we? we we broke them a couple of times. Bishop Bishop and Dizel both broke up Doncaster's play and got us, got us going quickly a couple of times. And both times we sort of made the wrong decision at, at the very end. But as you say, Rich Bennett's, he, I thought he, he thought he played worse today. He was very 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 direct with his running, wasn't he? He's pretty much every as soon as he got the ball, he was running. And the occasions he was getting us thirty yards up the pitch just by default of running with the ball. Um, and he may not always have the right decision at the end of it. But Craig, if you're going to get a guy who's dribbling with the ball and then making right decisions or and or scoring goals in a bit, he's probably not going to be coming on loan to us in League One, is he? That is true. That is true. And and it makes an impact for us. We just, you know, yeah. we'll talk about this in the second half. I, I've, I've written how, down here, 1-0 half-time, um, probably just about deserved because we took, I guess we took a chance, didn't we? Albeit it's a free kick, which is, you know, it's a low percentage chance. But because we'd taken that chance and Doncaster hadn't, I kind of, said that we deserved it but this ruthlessness you know is going to come out again in the second half as well isn't it um in fact this is the chance 52 minutes lovely uh, kenlock has has come back a totally different player and he real great persistence attacking yeah. wise good yeah kind of two foot touches here and um nips the nicks the ball back and it kind of falls into the path of alan judge who's overlapping um and this is a nice cross and down the corridor of uncertainty and Norwood really should do better, shouldn't he, with this one, guys? You're just expecting him to tap it home, aren't you? But he just sort of gets it, doesn't really get under his feet properly. And it, even though he scuffs it, it is going into the guy heads it off the line. Uh, but like you say, great, great play from Kenlock. You know, he's, he's been almost a revelation since he came back into the side. They always said he was one of those players that needs a bit of a, a bit of a run, two, three, four, five games in a row to build up some confidence. But he's looking brilliant at the moment. You know, we've seen crossfield balls in the last two games that have led to led to goals, and now he's breaking forward and and, and playing people in to put to put balls long six-yard box long may it continue but but that one from Norwood yeah he just expected him to to hit it really to put his laces through it and really power it home but he goes for the side foot doesn't get hold of it properly at all and then he's he is a bit unlucky because it is going in regardless but the the guy hacks it off the line yeah he just start, sorry Rich they said the start of that the ball to Kenlock though was Enciala pinging it crossfield in the first instance was he hit it must have hit it about 30 40 yards and it pretty much defeat to to copyright the Croydon Cresswell I'm going for here, yeah. Um, and it, it just goes to show, and it was very, very similar to, I don't even remember, there's a, a goal that Norwood scored last year when Jackson crossed it from pretty much the same position. And we, and it was all like a one-touch stuff. Down that wing, Jackson crossed it with his left foot and Norwood bundled it in the far post. And it was very similar to that. But it just goes to show, if you do things at pace, one or mm. two touch, the opposition, they can't, they can't get near, they can't defend, they can't set. And, and mucking it around with... You know, it, play, playing the ball around in our own half, going nowhere. You know, we, we we've been banging on about this for yeah. months, and it's, and it's no surprise that suddenly we're more of a threat and we're now scoring goals because we bypass the our kind yeah. of the final bit of our our half and and allow the opposition to get back into shape, which is which is just stupid, isn't it? So yeah, yeah you know, well, it's funny because we were we were talking about we at the um. Maybe not on the pod. I don't think I was on the pod, but we're talking on the WhatsApp when we played Crew that the touches that Crew had in the final third were really minimal. Yet they were scoring lots of goals from yeah, those touches, show. and that and that's similar to how we should we should be playing ourselves, isn't it? You know, get just get the ball in the final third and keep it simple and get some get shots off, and just doesn't allow the opposition to settle. The good thing here, Seb, is Norwood misses that chance. <clears throat> he doesn't dwell on it. Dazelle takes. A corner, another decent 
Well, another good one. Yeah, another good corner, wasn't it? Swung in nicely. We seem to be dropping them all, all in swingers at the moment, and we seem to be dropping them right in sort of the edge of the between the six yard box and the and the keeper's line with a, a massive players in the area. So it was another good delivery from Norwood, cleared out. Bishop with a decent power header back in, and the uh, it, it is a mistake from the from the Donny centre back. You know, it's a poor header by him, but Norwood is alert. You know, he's sharp. He's where you want him to be as a striker in that six yard box. Slides home and happy days, two 0 up. It was uh, it was the kind of goal I think we expected Norwood to to be scoring when we signed him. You know that sort of the fox in the box was the term that Arsene Wenger used to use years ago about Francis Jeffers and stuff. That player who just constantly you know is going to score maybe five, six, seven tap ins a season from that kind of position. He was sharp to it. He reacted well. It was a bit similar to his one, not the same position, but the one against Oxford where he reacted late to a poor header and he uh, he hit the post. This time he slides in, side foot, uh, you know, slides in. The ball goes home and happy days, two 0 up. Yeah, and the, these are the instincts that, you know, Norwood historically for us has, has missed these chances, he's, but at least has been in the positions well. yeah. to take these chances, has been in the positions to receive the chance, as it were. And um, he's getting fitter, he's getting stronger with each game, isn't he? If you look at our strikers, I'm not sure too many other ones would be there to score that chance. It's a very sort of James Norwood goal. You know, I wouldn't expect Sears or Drennan to be in that kind of position and, and, and anticipate the mistake. It's a, it's the kind of goal that only possibly Norwood would get from our, our front line. That's because you're not comparing, you're comparing apples and pears, that's why I said. Um, but, and, and one thing that I, I thought was quite impressive, that I, your your view is that the, it's a Doncaster play that makes the last touch. It's not Bishop's no, it's a clever header from Bishop. He gets a lot of power on it back into the into the. But the, I think it clearly comes off the Donny the Donny centre back and falls nicely for Norwood. Well, I think Norwood times the run to stay yeah, on the alert. side really well. Yeah, exactly. That's the kind he's of alert and he's he's sharp. Stabbed, poked, finish that he should have done for the chance before. And but I'm not in a complaint because he made up for it. And and it should go in. Um, it should two up. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there. Supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Um, 55. Real big opportunity this for three. Judges in um, and cuts back. And rather than playing in Parrot, who's completely unmarked just inside of him, um, he goes for glory, tries to curl in a long ranger um and whilst it's a good enough effort um parrot was the outball there and should have played him in and um, the substitutes start to appear on the hour mark double change for doncaster um and then a double change for ipswich and craig 73 minutes there's this 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 two to three minutes spell where we just can't either get hold of the ball or clear the danger it just keeps coming back doesn't it there's i think bogle maybe has a chance that from cl- close in where he should self yeah. it in and then Richards hits a post and then we just don't 
the ball just don't cost to keep the ball alive, don't they? And, and we don't react particularly well to it. Yeah. Well, so I was quite impressed with Richard yesterday. He seemed to be, you know, at the fulcrum for most of their stuff going forwards. I know he, the guys on the commentary were saying, you know, there's not much end product and sort of comparing it to Bennett's. But I thought he, I thought he played quite well yesterday. He was always seemed to be just in that little hole behind uh, behind Bogle. Um, as you say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit scrappy, wasn't it, for a couple of two or three minutes beforehand, and we sort of just getting camped in our box and weren't really putting any decent clearances in. Um, and then when we did put a clearance in, we were sort of breaking. We got it forward to Norwood. His touch let him down. He sort of it got nicked off him just inside, just outside the um, centre circle. Um, and then Downs come in with a tackle and inadvertently passes it backwards straight into the path. Lovely assist, of, isn't it? Really? It was, yeah. Yeah, straight into the path of John Taylor, the uh, bassist from Duran Duran, who, who, <laughs> who, um, yeah, has good finish to be fair to him. Isn't it? Bottom, bottom corner, um, on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, lovely finish, but yeah, sort of inadvertent uh, assist from Flynn Downs, unfortunately. Keeper at fault for this one? I don't. Well, not I don't, fault. Don't, sorry, positioning could have been better. Question mark. Yeah, possibly, but then I suppose it, did it just happen so quickly that he wasn't really expecting the ball to fly through to him from a from a downs tackle? I didn't. I didn't honestly. I can't say I. I just sort of noticed it was anything wrong with Holy. I thought it was just a, a good drilled finish into the far corner. It kind of reminded me a little bit of there's a David Johnson goal against Brentford in the League Cup in the 1990-2000 season where Andy Woodburn is basically it's not the, the build up is not the same, but Andy Woodburn is so far to one side of his goal that he's just showing him the far post, and it, it just kind of reminded me a little bit of that. He took it well. He was well struck, very low, kind of hit it exactly as you would be taught to do, which is hit the far post and keep it low. And, and made, you know, he's a big guy, holy he's got to get down. But I just thought he showed him quite a lot of far post. But oh, I think you're being a bit harsh there, mate. Fine. I'm, I'm going to be harsh. Don't care. Um, and then we have this kind of, huge mass of substitutions, including the introduction of the aforementioned um, James Coppinger. And I think that might be his 800th it was, career yeah, appearance, on Twitter, yeah. which is an impressive feat. Um, One-time Ipswich target under Paul Jewell. His wife still working at Ipswich Hospital, I understand. That's a, that is a lie, I don't. Um, but it, it doesn't really make a huge amount of difference for Doncaster. But, you know, the ball keeps coming back. And I, and, and I maybe, again, I'm being a bit harsh, Craig, on this one, but I don't think any of the substitutes, Edwards contributed more in a defensive sense than an attacking one, but Sears and Drinning coming on really did, and even Harrop really didn't do anything for me to keep the ball or to provide an outlet when we did get the ball back off Doncaster to make the last 10, 15 minutes more comfortable. Am, am yeah. I being too harsh? No, I don't think so. I, th I think, yeah, none, none of none of the none of the substitutions really made a difference, and it just shows how certainly in the second half, and certainly from like sixty minutes onwards, the whole team, to my eyes, looked really leggy all of a sudden. Then Norwood's would suddenly off the pace, and Judge was um, not scampering about as much as he does. Just, the whole team just sort of lacked a, a little bit of oomph, and unfortunately, none of the guys that came on sort of added added the energy you want to. Obviously, poor old Freddie Sears and Drennan are a bit of a down uh, downgrade on the guys that they replaced, aren't they, nowadays? Crikey. Um, Harrop was obviously played out of position, didn't he, on wide wide right, I think he came on for, didn't he? Because um, Downs had come on for, for Dezel mm -hmm. in the middle, hadn't he? Um, but no, I, I don't really think... I, I, at no point did I really think that we were under pressure or really going to concede, um, but it would have just been nicer to, to play a bit further 
further up the pitch, I think. Uh, and maybe this is this is a, a symbol of, of the new style of play that we have adopted at the moment. You know, full-time 2-1, another town victory against top six opposition, which is great, um, and really puts us in good contention now in the league table for playoffs, which I'll talk about in the roundup. Um, but the stats, guys, 25% possession for Ipswich in this one. It's a pretty stark statistic, isn't it, when you think about it? And particularly, Seb, given that Lambert, and maybe under the instruction of our current owner, has, has strived for 60 to 65% possession in most matches. It's a yeah, script, sure. isn't it? Yeah, compared to what we saw at the start of the season when, you know, sometimes we weren't winning, but we were, you know, 60-70% possession. It's a complete contrast, but that's just a, a show of the, the change of play, isn't it? The change of style to be more direct. We're noticeably moving the ball a lot, lot quicker. We're getting it from back to front quicker. It proves that all the possession stats we used to have were just the back four passing it amongst each other for, for two or three minutes every every 20 minutes in a game. Now we're getting the ball quicker. Uh, Dizel's playing faster balls. He's running with the ball more. The two wingers are bombing on. The fullbacks are getting forward more. So the possession stats are a consequence of the, the the much more direct and the much more attacking style of play and set pieces are given uh, it appears that we've been practicing set pieces at least taking them um yeah i've got we've got questions about what the the driver is for this change so hold that thought um one <laughs> um in, in terms of the post-match comments i thought I'd, i referenced it in the introduction um but paul lambert was asked directly about um his future in the takeover um when I came when I came in this morning, Paul Cook was sat in my office up there. Um, he quipped. Um, I've got to be careful what I say because I know as much as you guys. The best person to ask is the owner. Do I I know much about it? Not really. Um, I don't know more. Right? Um, he repeats himself and goes around in the houses quite a lot. Um, as you say, you best speak to Marcus if you can get him. I spoke to him on Thursday, and again last night, I've not heard too many times where I'm spending the night before a game. Uh, I've I'm now non, reading some this of it out. is nonsensical. It's really yeah. intelligible stuff is unintelligible <laughs> yeah. stuff. Isn't it? But the thing, I guess, the key thing he said, which a lot of people have maybe taken um, some excitement over. Um, I've been in the game long enough. He's been in the game long enough, guys, um, to know what happens when a takeover happens. Ninety-nine percent of the time, the manager goes. If that happens, I've got no worries, no fear. I'd wish everybody the best. We have to wait and see. Um, He's, he's clearly fun. accepted it, hasn't he? He's, he's, we've noticed in the last three games, two, three games, a noticeable change in his demeanour. He seems to be more active on the touchstone like he was when he first came in. It's almost like the, the pressure and the weight's been lifted off his shoulders. I guess, you know, he's thinking, oh, I'm just going to get a big payoff here and I can I can move on to pastures new. So it's it's, it's noticeable his change in attitude. And he's, I think he's just resigned to the fact, like we are, that he is just a, a dead man walking, so to speak. Um, let's get into the questions then, because lots of flavours on, on that point. Um, let's start with John's question, John Ward. Unusually, Lambert has picked an unchanged side three times in a row. A, is a, is that a first? And I'm struggling to think. Put me on the spot. Um, but B, is Lambert now just a puppet with someone else picking the team, Craig? Um, well, I don't know if, he's, if someone else is picking the team, but you're probably not going to be changing the team if it's just one away at Hull. Um, there are rumours, unsubstantiated rumours, that it's under the, Matt Gill and Jimmy Walker are more involved than, than previous, but whether that's just because Stuart Taylor's not around um, to do the screaming and calling the fourth linesman a... What's it? Of what's it, yeah, that's right, for 90 minutes. Um, we don't know, we don't know. But 
I'd be very surprised if it's a fourth game in a row, as I say, because they were look they were looking uh, very very tired towards the end there. So you know, this should be, and and I think um, I read somewhere that um, Accrington were complaining after the match that they were feeling tired themselves. Well, crikey, if our squad isn't big enough to cope better than Accrington's on Tuesday, then you know this is this is why we've got this bloody great squad is is for eventualities just like this. So let's hope that. If the changes are made, they're not they're not um, too much of a downgrade on on the guys that they're being uh, that they're replacing. Yeah, um, Sindre, would you look to keep Matt Gill? Speaking of, once the takeover happens, Lambert was obviously well, obviously go with Taylor, but Gill is fairly highly rated in the game. Um, he doesn't believe Sindre doesn't believe it will happen. But if if Matt Gill, let's put two and two together and pretend that it's four. Um, when it's probably seven or eight, but let's say Matt Gill and Jimmy Walker, because they were leading a lot of the instructions on the on the touchline, and I'll, I'll stick with you on this one, Craig. That's all right. Um, there's a good continuity there. There might be a, you know, a lot of people are expecting Dyer and Butcher um, to maybe provide some continuity if Lambert was to go before the next person comes in, but you could do worse than Matt Gill, and will he stay yeah. on beyond? Yeah, well, I think he was highly rated, wasn't he, um, when he joined. Um... So it, it just all depends on the timelines of things, doesn't it? It depends, A, if Lambert goes. And then also it depends on if someone else is lined up to to come in straight away. And then how many of their previous backroom staff do they bring along with them? And therefore, is there a requirement for, for Matt Gill? Is there a position? Um, if there's a caretaker role, then, yeah, I think he'd, he'd probably hang around to, to perform those duties, whether he'd be the main man or whether he'd you know, just be there as, a, as, as you say, a con- continuity alongside if Butcher steps into it for two or three weeks, five weeks, the end of the season, whatever it happens to be. We just we don't really know what the time scale is going to be between one eventually one eventuality happening and you know the, the subsequent permanent eventuality happening, if you see what I mean. It's that interim period. If, if a new guy comes in, I, I, I wouldn't be adverse to, to Matt Gill hanging around from, from what we understand is... Um, you know, he, he runs a lot of the sessions, as I said before, he's pretty highly thought of and he may have been spending a few weeks just taking a step or two away from Lambert as Lambert decides to throw grenades around. True. Um, and uh, you've said it a couple of times, we we just don't know. So yeah. all, all I guess we were doing, thank you for the questions as always, a lot of them are, are going to be speculating and so Craig is doing his absolute best with the information we have which is we do not attend training week to week and we don't see who picks the team but I I, I probably agree with you there and <laughs> um, AWITFC asks a question which I think is then answered in the thread um, who will Paul Cook's assistant be Doig and Taylor seem to be key elements in our stagnation under previous incumbents FPL track to the reply say Liam Richardson who I believe is in charge at Wigan um, he continued on after Paul Cook left. So I suspect unlikely that he'll join. And then maybe there's a role for Matt Gill. Maybe there's a role for someone else. Um, we just don't know. Um, Will Airy, am I dreaming? Question sorry, Rich. Can, sorry, Rich. Can I just pop in? It's a fair point, though, is that assistants, they, they, they do make a lot of difference, don't they? And, and historically, we've done better when we've had decent assistants there to either offer a different view to the guy in charge or just to sort of, you know, rein the guy in who is in charge so you know even going back to gorman and and houston, right. gorman and houston you know, yeah yeah that's right um and one of the reasons Keane probably failed is because he didn't bring ricky sprazier with him did he who 
who he'd had the success with at Sunderland, you know, going back to that, and maybe one of the reasons, apart from him being a bit of a nutcase. Um, but, you know, he had Tony Laughlin, wasn't it, who he's a I appreciate. Yeah, he's more, he's more of a coach than an assistant manager, I I, I assume. Um, but just goes to show what an important job that a decent assistant can do. And you need someone who's a slightly different character, don't you? Yeah. And maybe that's an, that's an issue as well, is that Hurst and Doig were probably exactly the same minded and were bad for each other. And you need someone to come in and come in and say, this is a really stupid idea, dropping yeah. art for Norwich, for example. Um, and Stuart Taylor, I think, is, is very much a yes man. It's, it's like <laughs> Phil Neal for Graham Taylor, isn't it? Yes, boss. You know. um, so, yeah, I agree. Someone who, you know, and that, that's why a lot of people, I think, are enamored by the idea of the Cowley brothers, because you get a sense that there is a, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a healthy tension. Now, they may be related, but there's a healthy tension. And I don't think either of them would just say yes for the convenience of it, whereas I think sometimes you do get that situation. So it's a really, yeah, it's a really interesting thought there from um, AWITFC um, in terms of the specifics. It appears that um, Paul Cook's usual target is already in a job, but who knows. Um, will Airy, I will go back to Will. Um, am I dreaming? Um, I'll look at the league table. Pinch yourself, I don't know. Um, Two James wins. <laughs> Two wins against top six sides with a takeover yeah. uh, in, the, yes. in, the, in the room as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, a bad time. Is as well. This is this is we've we've all had the jab and and of just having some. I'm, my mental breakdown is evident <laughs> for you from minute one of the pod. We've all so been doing all, the same the same mushrooms that Rich has been uh, doing. <laughs> something in the water. It's, it's my seven tramp water. Um, James Houston. Um, what happens, Seb, if the takeover drags on and Lambert keeps winning? Is there a number of win that keeps him in the job? We go higher up the league. Well, yeah, if he keeps winning, you know, we are going to get crash the playoffs and, and, and then push on with some decent, some decent momentum. It. As Lambert said, you know, 99.9%, they always want to appoint their own person. We've seen it in the past, but Jilton was never Marcus Evans' person, so he looked to bring in Keane, etc. It's just an accepted thing with takeovers, isn't it? I guess until the takeover goes through, uh, if there's no timelines on appointing a new person and he continues to do well, well, we, we do benefit from it. We push up the table, we build some momentum. He seems more relaxed, you know, it might be a bit of a happier place to, to be the club at the moment so there aren't really any downsides to him keep winning but I, I can't see any kind of eventuality whereby they come in and they keep him in place i think he knows we all know it's just a matter of when and scott moore asks and i'll stick with you Seb. i kind of like this doubling up our questions for you both um now lambert looks to be leaving um does this win show what the squad think of him um or how they'll play now he's off. Well, I guess the conspiracy theorist, yeah, will say if, if, if rumours of a takeover started 10 days ago, we've had three pretty decent performances. So are they just sort of sticking two fingers up to him? It would be interesting to know whose idea the change of philosophy and playing style has been. Because if you believe all the stuff over the summer, Evans was much more involved and wanted possession-based football and a, a, a rigid 4-3-3. And obviously we're now sort of playing this 4-4-1-1, 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1 occasionally kind of formation. And it's much, much more direct and the, the possession stats proved yesterday you know possession is not a key focus anymore so has Lambert just thought to himself I'm going to get sacked I'll just kind of do what I want to do for the for the last few the last few games the start of last season was very much like this it was 4-4-2 get the ball forward early look to run the channels with Jackson's pace etc and this seems to be kind of similar to that so maybe he's just thinking I'm off in a few weeks I'll, I'll do this and sort of stick one to the owner slightly and, and point out that he doesn't really you know what, what he was saying in the summer isn't necessarily the way we had to do things 
Dave Gort, there's a good thought there. Um, Dave Gort's questions. Are we seeing Paul Lambert sticking two fingers up to his boss and playing how he wants the team to and not how ME wanted us to? Um, does this explain um, some of his bizarre post-match comments and press conference comments during the season? You're suggesting that maybe... Well, yeah, I mean, he's always defended him, hasn't he? He's always, he's always in in, in, in public. He's, he's spoken in favour of it until the last week, when suddenly it's all changed. You know, I'm not going to defend him anymore. The club needs a structure. I'm not doing what I did for Randy Lerner, etc. There's been a definite change both on the pitch and in his off pitch off pitch comments in the last ten days or so, all coinciding with the takeover. So, is it just a a disgruntled employee sort of having a dig at his boss before the inevitable happens? Go out for guns blazing. Lots of questions of a similar theme. I'll just quickly read them out. Um, Ginger Eagle, 73. Um, so two great results in a week during which we will learn Lambert's days are numbered. Coincidence? Question mark. Um, Mullet Lambert acknowledged a couple of players as he got to the tunnel, but walked in head down. Has he been? Has he seen some tactical clarity now at the end of his night? Or is this just down to having so many quality players available and using them, Craig? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sort of in of a mind to sort of agree what Seb says. I sort of mentioned it on Friday about the fact that it, now he's sort of getting the idea that he's going to be off. He's now going to do it his way regardless and sort of just wonder whether the the meeting that was had between Lambert and Evans on Thursday night where voices were raised, etc., was Lambert saying, you bloody idiot, if we'd have been playing like this since the beginning of the season, we'd have been further up the table, but you wanted to play like Barcelona with a load of League One players, you idiot. Um, You've cost me my job. Thanks, mate. <laughs> exactly. I'll have two million pounds. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Boo hoo. Um, I don't know whether he's had any technical clarity. I say it's it's not rocket science, is it, to get further up the league as we've proven in the last week or so? You know, you've got. Oh, I'm, I'm going to put the players down here. Limited players playing a pretty relatively simple, basic way of playing, and it's bearing fruit because they say we're just we've got players that are used to playing this way. You know. We, we, we may come across it in some of the questions, but Wilson and Enciana, for example. I was in. Yeah. And yeah, you know, playing really well, aren't they? Wilson's been playing really, really well. And, it, and you know, albeit Enciana had a couple of dodgy passes yesterday, but he was throwing himself, what he does well, he does well, doesn't he? You know, he throws himself in the way of chances. He'll give away a penalty. We all know that. But, he, you know, he'll put his body on the line for you. And, eight times out of 10 in League One, that's probably enough for your centre-halves, isn't it? You don't need them to be collecting the ball inside the 18-yard box off your goalkeeper because, A, they don't want it, and B, it means the entire team is therefore a lot deeper than they have been recently when you can just get it forward to Norwood and Parrott to hustle and bustle and get you up further up the pitch. And I'd say yesterday, Norwood, uh, sorry, Enciala and, and Wilson were just playing it very, very simply. You know, if it was in the danger areas and they were running back on goal, they were getting it into the stand. They weren't looking yeah. to pass it back to Holy. They were looking to get it on the floor and give it to the fullbacks. It was going into the stand. And then you can reset and then you can defend against it, can't you? And you know, whether it's who knows why the why the changes be made, but it's it's working. Yep. Um what else have we got here? I'll I'll kind of finish off on a similar theme and then we'll um I think that's might be the questions about Lambert and style of play and all that kind of stuff yeah so um fbl tractor do i have to call chips fries now that could be a red line that one um we'll see budweiser in the, in the as long as yeah. if, they, if if the new owner comes in he did one dollar beer one dollar beers yeah stuff like that if we get quick dispensing beer in the north stand i mean 
peanuts <laughs> peanuts being thrown at your face by little boys walking up and down the aisle shouting gonna, pretzels and peanuts yeah i was gonna say all is forgiven as if if you give me good beer in the north stand then you could be a crap owner and all standing one you I mean if if, if someone if someone in the hierarchy buys you a beer rich you'll support them forever more <laughs> yeah that's basically almost what i said and then i held myself back i did not mean that um andy mack like this i do feisty one you are um tim pashley i this is um our mate tim um as you know i don't watch on the i follow are the recent loan signings making any impact i don't know who i am seb um no i don't i don't i don't think so we saw obviously matheson and thomas, fanfare, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah they all came in i think we thought you know thomas um has started very very slowly i don't really see anything in him that, that lancaster or dobra don't bring to the party harrop has been unlucky you know he had COVID when he first joined and then he's not i don't think he's really been played in the number 10 position at all bennett's i guess you could say is the one where you know we're playing more direct and he's the one getting the ball out and running at people matheson's not had a, a poor game against northampton and not featured not featured since so I don't really think any of them are, are contributing the way we, we, we possibly thought they would. Uh, Parrot is the one who is sort of, you know, he's an intelligent player. He's providing the link between the midfield and Norwood. So he's played pretty much every game since he joined. He's the one you would say is, uh, is, is having an effect. But, but certainly the rest of them, we're not really missing anything. No. Um, and finally, and this is just a coincidence, Mikey Penty-Smith. I've never heard of him. A midfield four of Bennett's Bishop, Dizel and Judge doesn't offer defensive protection on paper. So why do we look more solid? Does having two strikers on the pitch mean the midfielders get caught high less often? Or Craig, as Mullet suggests, is it um, having a back four of, well, Kenox is in, in the form of his life at the moment, but Chambers, Wilson and Enciala, who are no nonsense. Um, your thoughts there? The midfield, I guess, less is expected of them defensively because... We don't muck around and cause ourselves yeah. problems at the back. That's yeah, what yeah. basically said, isn't it? Yeah, very possibly. I thought Bishop played worse. The Bishop was putting some tackles in yesterday, wasn't he? He was coming, getting to ground a lot and slinging in some good um, sliding challenges and putting some blocks in. I was really impressed with Bishop yesterday, the way he, he played in the centre mid. Um, as I say, I think what we do, we, we're just a lot more solid and a lot more sort of compact and, and narrow. And we were chatting about it on the WhatsApp that, all of Doncaster's attacks were pretty much coming down the wing. Very rarely were we getting sliced open through the middle. So we were sort of forcing them down the wings and then being able to defend the crosses in the main. Um, and I think that was pretty much the the strategy, um, or has been the strategy for the last few games. And as I said before, because you've now got two players up front, and as Seb says, you've got, you've got Parrott playing well and linking, or Priya hasn't scored a goal yet. He is still playing well and looking forward when he does get the ball for, for Norwood, isn't he? They're sort of acting as a pretty bit of a pest as a pair um it's it's allowing us to just move further up the pitch and therefore you're not as you know when you lose the ball you're not already on the back foot because you're in your final in your third final third of the pitch um i just think that the guys are just used to playing this system they're they're certainly obviously more comfortable playing this system and this formation um i don't know how much you know defensively bennett's and judge are, are offering their fullbacks but it it's working so i just think that as a unit, they're just working a lot more solidly. Yeah, I say, as I said before, they're just more compact, and it's just it's just working as a result. Less risks, less mistakes. Yeah, keep Long it simple. Later. Yeah, exactly right. Keep it simple, stupid, as you said on Friday. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you for the questions, as always. Helpful shaping the debate. Um, let's do some roundup very briefly, and then talk about Accrington um, in alphabetical order. We'll talk about these: AFC Wimbledon nil, nil Hull City three routine 
win for Hull, bouncing back from that embarrassing defeat <laughs> midweek. Um, Bristol Rovers 2, Shrewsbury 1. Joey Barton's first win in charge of Bristol Rovers um, as they tried to move away from the bottom three. Charlton in a bit of free fall at the moment. Nil Blackpool 3. Blackpool's first win at the Valley since 1976. Um, two penalties for them and two sendings off for Charlton. Not looking good for Lee Bowyer there. Um, Crew 2, Sunderland 2. Sunderland back from 2-0 down with two screamers from Jordan Jones and Chris Maguire in the 97th minute. Fleetwood won at Crington, won our opponents for Tuesday. Um, John Coleman missed it because he was getting his COVID jab. Um, and it was a good goal from Adam Phillips to give them the lead, but Fleetwood um, equalised and then had a penalty saved. Um, Accrington not in the best of form, as we'll mention in a second. Um, MK Dons won Oxford, won another 97th minute equaliser, which is quite helpful. I think these teams kind of upper mid-table between them and the playoffs, drawing with each other. We don't want people winning at the moment, so draws are good. One team who is winning with um, minimal effort at the moment, is Peterborough. Two on winners over Wigan. Six wins in a row for them. Um, Wigan scored straight from a corner and then two goals for Clark Harris in the last 10 to give Peterborough the points. Um, game of the day, Plymouth 4, Lincoln 3, gents. 2-0 to Plymouth, 3-2 to Lincoln, 4-3 to Plymouth in the 91st minute. That was the game for the goals, but also opens up the kind of the top well, Lambert mentioned the automatic spots. Um, I'm going to throw it in ten, there. Ten off with the game in hand, you said, didn't we? Um, so, um, yeah, but it, it does keep things interesting. And it proves that the league is a is a strange old thing. Bonkers, um, to quote an old manager. Bonkers. Um, Portsmouth won, Gillingham won. Can he jack it back on the sidelines? Portsmouth, not great at home at the moment. Um, Gillingham are our opponents on Saturday. Um, Rochdale, Neil Burton, two red card for a headbutt from Rathbone. All a bit panto in that game. But Burton now up to 21st, guys. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbeck making the difference. Um, and finally, Swindon 2, Northampton 1 down the bottom. Scott Twine at it again with a lovely free kick. And Brett, the pitman heart, with the winner for Swindon. Um, what that does for the league table, I mentioned Peterborough running away with it. They are on 61 points in first position um, with Lincoln four points behind in second. Then Hull behind them, but having played two games more. And then we've got Portsmouth on 52, Sunderland on 51, Donny on 49 on a bad run of form, having now lost five of the, well, not one in five, um, having lost to us. And then below the playoff positions, Accrington and Ipswich on 47 points going into Tuesday night's fixture, guys. Interested to get your thoughts. We've already alluded to a bit more rotation and maybe not an unchanged um, team. But let me tell you, give me the, some stats. Um, we've got Accrington's form a little bit patches, I mentioned. Um, they have um, not won in the last three. Um, and But then um, only one win in seven, actually. That was against Doncaster. Though. No wins in our entire history at Accrington, as Seb and I, well, we did the FA Cup one, didn't we? That was a that was a crappy day out of that one, wasn't it? Um, last time out, we um, draw Fleetwood for them. Um, is it a good time to play Accrington, guys? And are you expecting us <clears throat> to end Tuesday night in sixth place and the clamour for Paul Lambert in to um, hit the um, hit the Twitter sphere? 
Yeah, Joe, it, Joe's on, isn't he? Post match on Tuesday, so I'd imagine he'll be leading that call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you confident, Seb? It seems like a good time to play them. If if I'd have sat here a week ago, I'd have said I'll take a point away from home, you know, a side in the top six, etc. But this this last two games have shown us what we can really do. So I I think we go there with no fear whatsoever. And as Craig said, you know, as the as the, as the rotation is going to kick in, Christ, if our squad of fifty three professionals can't be rotated a little bit and maintain a, a decent performance level, then we might as well all give up and go home. I'd expect maybe Downs to come in for Bishop, add a bit of bite in the midfield because it's a, it's a big ask for Bishop to play sort of three games on the bounce. I really hope Norwood got another at least sort of 60 70 minutes in his in his legs because he makes an absolute world of difference when he plays up front uh back four i think we'll probably stay the same and yeah we go there with no fear whatsoever let's uh let's be let's be positive both on and off the pitch and and, and why not i'm gonna go for a two nil win wow i know i've not heard an air of optimism like that in years on the podcast um craig two players that i would put on the bench if i was going well if i if i if i wasn't paul lambert um, would be Caden Jackson and John Nolan. Do you see that happening? It would make a no, difference, wouldn't it? It would hundred percent. I'd literally just wrote their names down as as Seb was chatting. There, I just wrote their names down because they would make a hell of a difference, wouldn't they? Just to have, and as Seb said, if if Norwood can do sixty minutes and you can then bring Caden Jackson on to run like the wind for the last half an hour and you know push defenders further back, it would just be ideal. But unfortunately, we've got stubborn. We've got a, a line of stubborn managers, and the the latest one uh, currently in charge. Um, I think we'll win as well, to be fair. Um, and I was at the FA Cup game standing next to you, Rich. But you have said a bang in the head before that uh, <laughs> yeah. that game as well. And don't remember that either. Um, I remember you at Fleetwood, but I, I, I can't remember. Accrington is, I've kind of tried. The only bit I remember of Accrington was the Bovril. And to be fair, Seb drove me there. So that's why I remember Seb being there. Me and Seb are the well, than away days. You know, it's routine for us. Um, but yes, I do remember you at Fleetwood. Of, yeah, um, I... I um, yeah, I think I said I think we're winning. I've got no reason why we shouldn't be winning. You go away to Hull and win. You beat Doncaster. I say playing the stat, the style that we're currently playing. The tails are going to be up for the players. Accrington were complaining that they're feeling a bit tired after the weekend, or the manager was. Sorry, Coleman was saying that they were they were starting to feel it. Well, crikey, this is this should be the time where we should be pushing on. I know Doncaster are playing Portsmouth, Oxford are playing Peterborough. So, you know, we've got a chance on Tuesday. And if currently we're 12 to 1 to get promoted, you know, and I'm not saying, yeah, please gamble responsibly. When the fun stops, stop. But if you're going to, any time, if you're going to do it, do it now because we'll be half the price come 10 o'clock Tuesday. There you go. And uh, maybe, you know, as I said, we were, I was kind of tempering the expectations on the takeover stuff, but maybe, just maybe, someone else is in the dugout on Tuesday. And Jackson and Logan do get a reprieve. Yeah, well, Joe said, didn't he? It's a good point. Is you know everything that's going on. Does Lambert really fancy a coach journey up to Accrington? Possibly not. But then we may have heard that today. If something was going to happen, I don't. I don't know. Um, For those of you watching on the video, the our um, social media bits and pieces are scrolling across the bottom there. Um, A few plugs for you. Live show, as Craig mentioned, is back on Tuesday after uh, full-time against Accrington. Ben's up for that one. I assume it's Joe. I'm not sure he's confirmed, but um, should be Ben, probably Joe. Um, we've got two specials coming up this week as well. Whether you see them this week is another question. Um, one of them is is Mikey doing uh, the in-depth conversation that we alluded to on Friday about Paul Cook um, with some Wigan and Pompey fans. Um, so that's worth keeping a lookout for. And the other... 
um, is another chat with a player from yesteryear with um, David Diamond. So um, we will keep you in the loop about when that's arriving. And I don't know what Craig is alluding to. He's pointing to a signature on the shirt up here. Possibly. Well, don't no spoilers, eh? No spoilers. Um, guys, where can we find you on the old Twitter? Um, Craig? Uh, I'm at Fims75. And Seb? At BrownS08. And you can find me at Ipswich and Blue Monday at Blue Monday ITFC. That is your lot. We've gone way over. I've totally lost control of my brain, the podcast, but I've enjoyed it. I've had a really enjoyable evening. And for once, I'm going to have the last word because I'm going to quote something at you. Um, and certainly after the, the way that this pod's gone, this is certainly needed. I'm off, go I'm off home. I'll have a nice beer now, I think. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.